future is Mecca. In the previous episode, you're not gonna make the team. You're not gonna make it off the field. The goal had been left undefended in the brawl, and the ball flew into the back of the net. There was a crunch within my hand, and the baby's hand was the shattered wrist of the ranger, the connected hand hanging loose, the unpowered fingers dangling. A shiver crawled down my spine. I felt taller. My skin was active alloy. Word is the panel's defractalized, but all the shares got glurked. They don't want people worrying about mecha safety. I'm not adding you to the team at this time. What happened to the arm? That's not what defractalization looks like. Praxit, thank you for coming to see me. I just have a few questions for you. My name is Moira. I'm responsible for the stream tests and the stream test results. I know. Excellent. Come in and take a seat. The door gave a quiet double click as she closed it behind me. It felt like a long walk from the door to the small red plastic chair that sat in front of her desk. The desk looked like a gray block of metal rising out of the floor. On top of it, which I could barely see it was so tall, there was a huge screen on a stand on the left side and a bunch of normal screens and a keyboard scattered across the desktop. The only windows in the room were narrow strips just below the ceiling that showed you a slice of blue sky and nothing else. The chair squeaked against the floor when I sat on it. From that position, I was looking up at the edge of the desk. On the wall behind it, instead of wooden boats like Cooper had on display, she had shelves of weird birds. Every bird was different, and they all had ridiculous feathers. You might be thinking I'm talking about color, but I'm really talking about the shape. How do they even fly with those long, dangly things? I shifted my bag on my lap and with my good hand switched my mini-tab to silent and pushed it into the bag. The pretty weird birds, I said, trying to draw her into conversation and delay the inevitable. She walked behind her desk and climbed up into her chair. I could only see her head and shoulders above the edge of the desk. Her hair was grey, real grey it looked like, except for a line of tiny red and blue fountains running down behind her right ear. Each little coloured bundle of hair was held together by a band of the contrasting colour. Maybe she wanted to be one of those birds. They are weird, you're right. They're all birds of paradise. Fascinating creatures. They lived in the dense mountain rainforests of a Pacific island nation. Until the rainforests were burned down. The nation, well the people, once had wealth from mining and exporting rare metals. But that evaporated when Glurk began asteroid mining and rare metals by the megaton flooded the market. Their only income was destroyed, while rising oceans inundated their coastline and low rainfall was killing the native rainforest. Despite all those problems, no one would help them. Not until their country was in crisis. So they brought the crisis forward by destroying what was left. She shifted in her seat and looked like she was typing on a screen. Excuse this terrible desk. I know it can look intimidating, but it came with the office. From the ceiling above the desk, bright lights were suddenly shining in my face, making me blink. I couldn't see her through the glare. Asteroid mining destroyed the economies of almost all the nations relying on mineral resources. It radically altered the world's economy and its power structure. But you remember all that from Common Stream, don't you? Yeah, I said, blinking and squinting. So you probably remember the name of the asteroid Glurk began mining, and its composition. Kind of, I guess, I said. I shifted my bag in my lap. 
I was on a roller coaster. Instead of a slow climb to start, it was beginning with a steep drop. Can you tell it to me? I guess I've forgotten it. I fiddled with a zipper. Please put your bag on the floor behind you. Can you manage that with your arm? I swung my bag behind the chair and let it drop to the floor. Thank you. The economic devastation was terrible. Many of those nations were like the nation my birds came from. Already on the brink. Dealing with the lack of water. Populations that were distressed. Infrastructure ravaged by temperature extremes. Food shortages. The first global famine was one of the most catastrophic events humanity had ever experienced. The second brought several countries to ruin. Can you recall which year the second global famine started? I was guessing. I was sure it was like past the middle of the 21st century, but I had no idea what year it actually was. 2074? Through the glare, I saw the outline of her head bobbing. Was she nodding? I must have got it. Go, brain. And which countries failed? How many can you name? I couldn't name any. I cradled my sore arm against my chest and stared at the knees of my blue pilot pants. Praxit? I don't know, I said without looking up. The bright lights went out. The room was dim, the invigilator's face hard to make out. Was I permanently blinded? That was my concern when the stream advisor brought your progress to my attention. The lights seemed to come back up like a cloud was moving away from the sun. Moira leaned across the desk towards me. I felt like a little kid at the feet of a 25-meter mecha. Imagine the mecha was black and piloted by a pauper. I'm going to be blunt, Praxit. This is very serious. What you have done, what I believe you have done, is not just against 548's code of conduct. It's also a threat to your physical and mental health. My mental health? Yeah, it's been stressing me out since I stupidly let Anu cheat for me. But my physical health? She didn't look angry. She looked genuinely concerned, like she was honestly worried about me. Boosters. The way they work. How they help mature citizens maintain their cognitive functions. That same mechanism can do terrible damage to a developing brain. The short-term benefits of seeing your name on the stream board are heavily heavily outweighed by the possibilities of memory loss, fantastical and conspiratorial thinking, paranoia, possibly even schizophrenia, and in the worst case, fatal seizures. Boosters, I said. I haven't taken boosters. Her worried look became a frown. She tapped on her screen for a while. You are quite the simmer. Global tier. Using boosters is not uncommon at the professional level, is it? There's even a term for the side effects, isn't there? She said. Mind melt. But only losers take them, I said. The Advers are in front of everything, and I wouldn't even know where to get them. Praxit, you can't even remember basic facts from a test you took three weeks ago. That's the thing with boosters. Once you stop taking them, everything they boosted fades away. You have to believe me. I didn't take boosters. There's no other explanation. There is another explanation. Well then, I'd like to hear it. 
Watch out, Anu. Here comes the bus. Someone helped me. Someone helped you take the test? In a room full of learners with a guide watching you? They hacked the system. They filled in the answers. So, you're saying someone hacked the test system and took the test for you? That's what I'm saying. They typed in all the answers for you. Yes, they had a program. It was all automated. Really? A program typed in all the answers for you? That's how it worked. You know, Praxit, I looked at the recording of your test session. It didn't look hacked to me. Of course it didn't. The program was made to look like I was typing, and they were using a stealth chat box. A stealth chat box? That wouldn't show up in recordings. You see, Praxit, this, this behavior is my concern. This is what they call fantastical thinking. It's not fantastic, and I'm not thinking. It's what happened. The test system is unhackable. It's been in daily use for over 50 years, and there's never been a single breach. Or has it been hacked just for you? Get Anu in here. Ask him. This isn't a learner drama, Viri. There is no hack. The invigilators would know. It would show up in the test results. We would see the average time to complete common stream dropping as learners took shortcuts to unlock Travnav. None of that has happened. Just ask Anu. I'm not going to drag one of our most advanced learners into this. He's the one who hacked it and gave me that 94. I asked for a 64, but it gave me that stupid 94, and now I'm here, and I'm sorry I cheated, and you can expel me, but I didn't take boosters. You're not being expelled. That might be you feeling paranoid, perhaps. I'm not paranoid. She sat there looking at me like she felt sorry for me. I think you need some time off. It's just as well that quarter break starts tomorrow. A few weeks off for you. I think that's all we can do for now. Rest and wait. That's it? It's all we can do. For now, your score will stand. If I had been alerted earlier, I might have requested a blood test. But this far out from the test, there would be no trace of the boosters. It's also too late for any counter-agents to reduce the side effects. So we wait, and we see how you are after the break. I will probably have you reassessed by our counselor at that point. You may have to reset the test. Most of her face disappeared as she sat back in her chair. I could hear her tapping on a screen. I waited. She kept tapping. Is that it? Can I go? You can go. I'll be informing your caregiver about our meeting and my concerns. Enjoy your break. Make sure you get plenty of rest. I was almost at the door when she said my name. Praxit, over the break, if you find yourself having any strange concerns or intense worries or fears, or even disturbing dreams, please tell someone who can help. Okay, I said. I pulled the door shut behind me and walked back up the corridor, wondering if maybe I really was on boosters, because I sure had a lot of the symptoms. That was just a joke I told myself to avoid thinking about how not happy Dad was going to be tonight. I had messages from Coda and Azalea waiting. Everyone was ditching the afternoon stream, even the guides. 
Tabitha had raised the jet ceiling on the field, and there was a swarm of mechas going crazy in it. Are you out yet? said the message from Azalea. I said a Y for yes. Are you in trouble for the arm? she replied. I sent an N for no. It wasn't lying. If she thought I was using boosters, she would kill me and then never talk to me again. I'm sure of it. Yay! Join the field! It's like Flight Club in a blender! It's hilarious! They should keep the ceiling up all the time, messaged Coda. It would make weaving so much better. Another message came in. C-O-O-A-N-U I told you I'd take care of it. He took care of nothing. Him and his stupid 94. It was over. The worst had happened. I'd face the invigilator. She thought I was mind-melted. She was probably telling my dad that. Anu had nothing on me anymore. He couldn't make me do anything. I told him to leave me alone and stop messaging me, but in very dense language. Then I blocked the ID. A new message from a different ID arrived. I'll speak to you over the break. I have some information you'll want to access. Couldn't he read? Didn't he care? I didn't want to access him or anything he had. I blocked that ID too. Not that it'd do much good. He had an endless supply of IDs. I went pretty slowly through the empty main hall. Relief was a big part of what I was feeling, but I was freaking out about Dad and what he was going to say. The invigilator had it all wrong, but the truth wasn't going to make him any happier. At least I wasn't getting kicked out of the learning place. I might have to see a counselor after the break, but that was nothing. You don't even have to answer their questions if you don't want to. I cut through the eating space. It was empty except for Vacbots and Slurpbots prancing around the tables, cleaning up the mess. Feng was sitting by himself at a table outside the eating space, playing something on his mini-tab. Past him, over the field, the air was thick with mechas swooping and twisting and spinning. I didn't want to talk to him, but he spotted me. Simlord, he said. Simlord, I said, like I was as happy as he was. He went for a fist bump. I did my best to pretend I was enjoying the whole explosion sounds we made and the wiggling of our fingers like shrapnel spinning through the air. Why aren't you out there flying, I said, pointing at the field. That's not flying, that's ricocheting. How's the trouble for wrecking that mech? No trouble, I said. And your wrist? Are you going to be able to sim? I squeezed my wrist with my left hand, clenched and unclenched the fingers. It was still tender, but it felt better than yesterday. Yeah, I'll be simming. Well then, have you changed your mind about teaming up? The idea hadn't had time to cross my mind again. The Megastar League sim series was only four days away now. I got a little shiver at the thought. All those matches. All those points. All those wins. It might be good to have one person I could rely on. But could I actually rely on him? He must have been reading my mind. What's the worst that could happen? I stab you in the back? It could only happen once, he said with a big smile. And it's not elimination, so you'd have plenty of chances for revenge. Not that I'd do it. Unless you had to. His grin grew wider. Only out of pure necessity. And who says I can trust you? Could anyone trust me? Yes? Mostly? I can have secrets and still be trusted, right? You can't trust me, but sure, let's do it. We shook on it, left-handed because of my arm. It felt weird. 
I can already read the boards, said Feng, wiping his hand across an imagined veer sign. Northern Blade in Praxit 2230. First and second. Second and first. Across every CO match. We'll be rolling in the points, Neef. I left him to the game on his mini-tab and walked towards the cloud of flitting, twisting mechas. Feng's excitement for the sim matches and our team-up had lifted my mood. Forget the invigilator. That was behind me. An awesome sim series was in front of me. The field ceiling must have been raised to 200 meters, but it wasn't autonomous. No one was touching. Their collision systems were all active. The field boundaries had to be active too, because not even a mecha toe was poking past the sidelines. With so many mechas in such a confined space, there wasn't much control happening. Like Feng said, ricocheting. Everyone was whirling and shifting, slowing and accelerating, rising and falling, in response to the movement of the mechas around them. Coda's Nova Elite stood out in the maelstrom. It was being circled by a mixed ring of mechas, including the blue and yellow yogi mechs of Azalea, Jaya, and Lashana. They were all hovering about 150 meters off the ground near the center of the field. Below them were gathered a bunch of red and white rangers of the Mechros team. They were shuffling together, getting as close as they could without setting off their anti-collision systems. I didn't have time to warn Coda what was about to happen. The rangers launched as one, straight up, heading towards Coda's little weave. The way the anti-collision system works gives preference to groups of mechas moving together. If they're tightly packed, like the Mechros players were, it's more efficient to displace individual mechas or looser groups of mechas. The Mechros players knew this, and they used it to scatter Coda in the ring of mechas. They passed right through the middle, pushing Coda aside and sending the participants twisting away in all directions. Some, like Azalea, threw them plenty of mecha fingers. But I don't think the players cared. They stayed in their tight little pack, jetting from one group of mechas to another, disrupting everyone they could. I kept heading for the stand. It was mostly empty. I was following the path that ran from the back of the building and alongside Wing 1. The red and white t-shirt of a lone Mechros player was coming down the path from the main steps, probably rushing to join the pack on the field. We were on a collision course. I couldn't slow down or speed up because I would look like I was scared and trying to avoid them. I just had to grip my teeth and hold my sore arm against my chest. It turned out to be Kai. She gave me a small hand flip for a wave as we got close. That was weird. I gave a small wave back. Thanks for the pass, she said as we met up. Her hair on the side next to me was a deep red plait ending in a white ball that rested against her collarbone. On the other half of her head, her short hair was bright white. No problem, I said. Sorry my return was so... So brutal? Yeah, saws. You know, I don't care what the others say, but I think you should be on the team. I was surprised by that, but I managed to say thanks. I'm pretty sure she had been in on the brawl yesterday, hitting and kicking like she didn't want me on the team. She stopped next to the leg of her ranger and grabbed one of the handholds. I hope next tryout you knock Burko off the team, or Risto. They're both toxic. Sure, next tryout. I'll see what I can do, I said. She was going to be waiting a while. Cool, have a good break, she said and started climbing up to her cockpit. You too. That team was just a big bunch of best friends. Totally cohesive, just like the coach said. It was cool of her to be friendly, even if it was only because no one else was around to see it. 
As the baby lowered its hand for me, I was thinking about getting out on the field with Azalea and her Malay squad and blowing apart that pack of Macross players. A message from Dad arrived. I didn't want to, but I couldn't help reading it. I want you to be home when I get there. He knew I saw it, and he would be waiting for a reply. I replied with cool, but what I was feeling was awful. What good I was feeling evaporated. I bet he was remembering what I was remembering. Him telling Minky I was on the stream board. I hoped he wouldn't tell her about the Invigilator or that stupid booster stuff. I'm sure she would tell Davor, and Davor would love to tell everyone. I'd be back to Dimlord before the break was over. Just when I thought he must have gone back to working, he sent another message. No, it's not cool. I settled into the pilot seat. You could say I wasn't in the mood for the field, so I just sat there rubbing my sore wrist until messages started to come in. The field was shutting down and everyone was going home. A message from Jumana popped up. Are you going to break down? Van and I and Ozzy are going. Break down? Break down in my own mecca? On the first Friday of the spring quarter break, there was a giant party in the ring park on the southern edge of the city. Breakdown. Mechas from all the learning places go to it. There's food stands, drink stands, tower screens, mecha games, body rides, live bands, drone blasts. It went all day and late into the night. Definitely, I replied. The very idea of going to breakdown perked me up. There was no way I was going to miss it. Last time, I'd been cramped behind Azalea's pilot seat. This time, I'd be able to do everything and anything I wanted. See you there! It struck me that Dad's last message might mean he won't let me go. I might be up for a massive grounding, stuck at home while my friends jet around together. Are you guys going to break down? I sent to Azalea and Coda. Your first solo mecha breakdown, replied Azalea. To the very end. I'm going to stay in our unit in the city afterwards. There are mecha docks and beds for both of you if you want to stay. Yes, said Azalea. And you, Praxit? I gotta ask my dad, I replied. Oh, the moons of Jupiter. Don't let me get grounded. Not until Saturday, at least. Let me have the breakdown. A whole bunch of learners, including me and my friends, left the place in a big group and mecked counterclockwise along the ring road to Bubblesoft. It was the nearest mech cafe they could get to without jetting, which meant no one had to ask a caregiver to unlock a nav pad. It was unstoppable fun, even for the kids that hadn't completed Common Stream. It was another solo mecha first for me, and I still had the funds to buy bubble tea and soft cakes for Azalea and Coda. You know soft cakes. They're made from this dough that squirts out of a dispenser. It doesn't need baking or anything. The outside hardens in the air, and the inside stays gooey. Then you squirt icing over them and spoon whatever topping you want on top of that. It ends up looking like a delicious little pointy hat. At Bubblesoft, you make the cakes right at your table. You pay for them as you eat them, and we ate those soft little cakes until we were dizzy with sugar. Jai and Lashana joined us as well. Lashana was amazing. She was eating with one hand while paying with her mini-tab and squirting new cakes with the other. Where did you find the room for them? The break was off to a great start, and then Dad messaged me. I'm home. Where are you? On my way? Don't make me verify your location. He had never said that before. 
I thought it might be a good idea to hurry. I told everyone I had to go and I'd message them later. I high-fived them all and escaped a punch from Azalea because my sore arm was the one closest to her. Then I was running down the stairs and out to the street, again, where I'd been forced to stand the baby. If only it was a couple meters taller. We hit the transit pad. Even though it was a pretty short hop, I pushed it up into the high speed lane. We were there for a couple of seconds before descending straight down to the pad outside my street. Travnav dropped us right between two mechas speeding past in the transit lane. It was like threading a needle. So close to being a collision. But that's Travnav. As soon as I mech past the Lao's yard, I could see Dad leaning against his bike with his arms crossed. When he looked up at me, my heart decided it was a good time to claw its way down into my guts and start kicking things. I'd never seen that expression on his face. It made me stop in the street. He pointed at me and then at the pad. I mech the baby into its spot. He gestured at me to come down. I'm sure he meant for me to de-mech, but I didn't want to get out and face him. I squad the baby down and opened the canopy. Come on out, he said. I set the baby's left hand on the ground, open and palm up. Dad looked at it, then back at me, then walked up to it and stepped on. I mech the baby back up, lifting him as I straightened the baby's legs. I brought the hand up and closer so he could rest his arms on the edge of the canopy, but not high enough for him to climb in. Despite his anger, he couldn't help himself. He had a quick glance around at the cockpit and the controls. This is really serious, Praxit. I know. Boosters? I thought you knew better than that. I didn't take any boosters. I wouldn't do that. The invigilator said you couldn't remember basic material from the stream. Is that true? No. Kind of. The sad, disappointed look he gave me. It made everything that happened come rushing out. It wasn't boosters. Anu hacked a test system. Kids were calling me Dimlord, and he chatted me in a test and offered to fix it for me. And all I wanted was a 64, and the basic CEO gave me 94, and I griefed the stream advisor because he was toxic, and he told the invigilator, and I couldn't let everyone call me Dimlord. It was all the baby's fault, but even that's fixed now, and it's just this one stupid test, and you've seen me on the repeater. All my other tests I did on my own, and those were 90s too. Ask me questions about media. You want Shakespeare's birth date? April, 1564. They're not sure about the day. The first color movie? Becky Sharp in 1935. The year Veery surpassed all of the media and market share? 2043. See? I just couldn't let them call me Dim Lord. I would have been Dim Lord forever. He looked at me. His eyes narrowed and his mouth tightened. He put his head back and breathed out like he'd been holding his breath. That's not good claiming the test system was hacked. It was, believe me. We all tried hacking it when I was a learner. I'm sure Moira did the same. We know it's not possible. It's true. Let's just leave that. You did all of this because people were calling you Dimlord? Yeah. That made it sound dumb. The trouble, the stress. I just couldn't stand it. And sharing a table with Risto. The guy nearly killed me on the stairs. Imagine sharing a table with him. Getting called Dimlord instead of Simlord. And getting on the stream board fixed that? I guess. I was worried about that. 
it's been growing on me that it's partially my fault. Well, it's probably all my fault. You've been spending too much time simming and not enough time with people, with your friends. It's warping your priorities. What's right and wrong? Life's not about high scores. Life's about people. I know. You say it, but I, I don't think you know it. Over the break, I'm going to block the rig from the network. No! I yelled at him. And I don't know how. My hand was still on the prof, but I didn't throw him or crush him or something awful and accidental like that. Watch it. The Megastar League series. They invited me to compete. It starts on Monday. I was invited. I'm afraid you're going to miss it. Do you know how many points that's going to cost me? Listen to you. That's the problem. Look what simming has really cost you. Taking boosters. Believing the tests are hacked. I didn't take boosters. The tests... Forget it all. I'm sorry. Just let me do the series. No. This break, you're not using anything more than a screen. And I want you spending time with your friends. If you can't organize your friends, I'll organize a minky for you to spend time with Davor. It's final. I know you don't like it, but it needs to be done. You can put me down now. I took a few deep breaths to calm down and lowered him to the ground. He stepped off the hand and turned to face up to me. Also, you're coming to group tonight. On my bike. And don't talk to me about breaking promises. He went inside while I fumed. I even stamped my feet. The baby's feet. All those points. All those matches. I would be sliding down the ranks as the days of the break crawled by. Could I get pushed out of global tier? That almost made me want to cry. My guts were so twisted I didn't know if it was Dad cutting off the rig or all the soft cakes that were making me feel sick. Shut down, baby, I said. I wasn't going anywhere else tonight, was I? Shutting down. I grabbed my bag and waited for the hand to reach the cockpit. Pilot cracks it. What? Calibration completed. On Friday morning, through the walls of our house came a loud metal clanging. Between the clangs, it sounded like someone was shouting. What is that? said Dad, putting down his screen. Mecha claps, I said. What? I followed him to the door. He opened it, and out on the street were Coda and Azalea, their mechas shining in the morning sun, their canopies open, both of them smiling like crazy. She brought her Yogi Mix hands together in another huge clang. Who let them in the street? Dad said, looking down at me as I took off the sling. I clenched and unclenched my right hand. The wrist was still sore, but it was almost better. Not competitive simming better, but good enough for now. I balled up the sling and threw it back into the house. I didn't care where it landed. He could pick it up. I did. They're friends. Aren't I supposed to be spending time with friends? He waved at them to cut the noise. I didn't realize your friends were so loud. I hated it when he ignored my sarcasm. He knew I was still angry about the Sim series. Have you actually met Azalea? I said, like I thought he was stupid. 
He didn't react. Yeah, I still have the bruise. Have you got your mini-tab? Yes, I've got my mini-tab. Funny. Be sensible. Stay safe. It's a giant mecha party. What could be safer, I said as I walked away from him and towards the baby. As it lifted me up in its hand, I gave Dad a sarcastic salute. He gave me the L. I pretended not to see it, jumping into the cockpit and snapping the canopy shut as quickly as I could. Breakdown will be so awesome, said Azalee as we met to the transit pad. With Praxit finally in his own mecha, I believe the entire break will be awesome, said Coda. Azalea reached the pad first and jetted into the sky, followed by Coda. I hesitated before following them. I was going to be missing out on so much simming action, so many points. It better be awesome, I said to no one. I met the baby under the transit pad, and we accelerated into the clear blue sky. Hi, James here. After 20 episodes and 9 hours of listening, we've made it through the first part of Praxit's story. We're leaving him soaring into the sky, on his way to a giant mecha party in a fully calibrated baby. And what could be safer than a giant mecha party? It's quarter break here in Australia, or school holidays as we like to call it. I've got two mechless kids to entertain, and Praxit's next adventure to write. So Futures Mecha is going to be quiet for a few weeks while I plan, write, and start recording. I've learned a lot from this first story, and I think it's going to make the next one even better. Praxit and his friends are going to be out in the world. There'll be fewer Mechros players and more Lensheads. The challenges will be more challenging, the dangers more dangerous, and the baby will get to be awesome. So make sure you're subscribed to this podcast so you get an alert when the new episodes become available. I'll post updates on my progress to Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. You can find Future is Mecca on all of those just by searching. Thank you again for listening and supporting Future is Mecca.